Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome to episode 18, What is Mindfulness? Hi, Misty. Hi, Lauren. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Excited about diving into this month-long series oh, of mindfulness practice. I am too. I actually had a girlfriend ask me the other day, she said, how come you guys didn't start with what is mindfulness? Like at the beginning of the podcast. And I said, it's a great question. I think it makes most sense, but also we wanted to be able to have people to listen to this. And so now we have some subscribers and some people that have been listening and they've grown more curious about mindfulness. Perhaps they're experiencing awareness or triggers for themselves. And so this was a way for us to kind of, okay, we've been here a little while. We've 17 episodes. And so now we're going to kind of dive into what mindfulness is and what it isn't. And so I think it's a perfect time for that. So why don't we kick it off with the classic definition of mindfulness? Perfect. I like dictionary stuff. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Now, I will say that there are many different definitions of mindfulness. We're going to offer you one that's very popular, um, but this is not the only one. This is not the end-all be-all. But there's a man named John Kabat-Zinn, who if you ever wanted to read a book on mindfulness, I would find anything by him. He really started the movement in the West in the 70s at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And so I like to reference his definition for that reason, because he's done decades of research and data on the practice. And um, I just really trust, obviously, his his teachings. So John Kabat-Zinn defines mindfulness as paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. So essentially he's saying it's a way of looking at the moment, being in the moment, and allowing yourself to really see what's happening clearly without any filter. So that's the non-judgmentally part. And as simple as that sounds, I really feel like it's one of the highest and hardest practices in our day because we see life through the lens of what we have experienced, what we have read, what we have seen, you know, any words anybody has said to us. And so to see clearly a situation that's happening without layering judgment and really just being present with it is what it's all about. The non-judgment part is, man, that's the hard one. It really is. Um, I think it's, I think it, I've been able to work through the staying in the present moment and finding paying attention in a purposeful way, but it's that non-judgment that will get me usually every time because I want to bring my anger or my irrational thoughts to the table 
and I'm supposed to put those to the back and okay, this is the situation right now. It has nothing to do that ha- what, that happened when I was a kid. It doesn't have anything to do with the future. It's just right now. And so um, I'm glad you brought up his teachings because both Lauren and I are, are certified in a method called mindfulness-based stress reduction. And you actually, anyone can get certified. Um, and it's a great program for non-yoga teachers, non-mindfulness teachers, it teaches you how to be in the moment and it's pretty intensive. I would say like the, the amount of like quote unquote homework you have, but it's so much about just being still and learning to slow down and, and work on that non non judgment piece. So I'm, I still refer back to that course from time to time. I think it was that good. It's a really good course. I recommend anyone taking it. You can find it online now, of course. Mm-hmm. If you just Google MBSR, it'll come up. So anyone who wants to dive a little more deeply into this practice on their own can take that anytime. Yeah. And think about like if you're a manager or a leader of some sort in your company, um, a mom, whatever it is, your title, you could be the leader of that you know, of your home, of your company, of your team. And I've had several previous colleagues that I've connected with, and they've been interested in mindfulness, but unsure of how to kind of be the the, the leader of the group about it. And I've always referred them to that class because it's very accessible. It's not overly expensive. Um, and it does a really great job of solidifying what mindfulness is. I think that's great. I think anytime we can have formal training around stuff like this, we should get it, you know, yeah. because left to our own devices, we can do a little bit on our own, but, but formal trainings are out there for a reason and they are so effective. So that's, I'm glad you, re- you refer people to that. Yeah. Well, and that's the good thing about mindfulness too. You can go that way, right? You can take a course and really dig into it, or you can you know, listen and practice your own mindfulness at home and learn through other ways. So it's not something that you have to spend any money on. We all have it inside of us, but it's not natural to just use it. Yes. You have to learn and practice. That's why it's called a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the ways I, I hear people judging their practice or judging their own mind constantly is probably the most common thing I hear is, Oh, I can't sit still. My mind is too busy. I'm a terrible meditator. I suck at this. So I think hands down, that's the the biggest judgment people lay on themselves. Um, And so I'm sure some people listening are nodding their head and chuckling, right? We've all said that from time to time, but I'll just offer that if you, if it was easy to sit still, if it was easy to calm the mind, if it was easy to be with your thoughts, there would be no mindfulness practice like what would it be for then so so keep in mind that it's not about not having thoughts it doesn't matter if you have a thousand thoughts in one minute great that's a lot of material to work with it's about being in relationship with those thoughts and realizing that you are not your thoughts your thoughts are just your subconscious and everything it's seen and heard playing a narrative in your mind at all times so it's seeing it that way instead of like, 
Oh, I'm terrible. I have so many thoughts. No, <laughs> you're good. So, so good. I love that. Um, one of the, I think, and we were kind of discussing before the podcast started, we actually have a lot of these questions listed on our website on the Mindful Projects page under the frequently asked questions, um, because these are really this is the bare bones of like, if you break mindfulness down the questions that we receive. And I think right now you'll probably agree with me. We are having a lot of discussions about mindfulness for anxiety. And I know you recently taught a course and it was, you had crazy number of people there. And I think it has to do obviously with everything that we're going through as a country. Yeah, And I know that Mindfulness for me, from a health benefit perspective, has kept me afloat during all of this. The whole, I, I, if I hadn't already had a mindfulness practice, my depression and my anxiety would have swallowed me whole. And that's me being super real. Um, and so if you are like that, and there are things, life right now, just life. Like you watch the news and it's so sad and it feels like it's swallowing you. Mindfulness allows me the ability to say, stop, Misty. That's first of all, if I'm watching something, turn it off, but stop, take a minute, breathe, be aware of what's attacking me or what I, how I feel and kind of move through that, but in the present moment and then move on. And if I hadn't been able to do that, I would have. I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I guess I would have been on like heavy doses of medication. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of people, a lot of people. I have friends that are in the same boat. So if you happen to be in that boat right now, mindfulness is a really good anchor for you when it comes to anxiety. But it also spans to other health conditions, asthma, cancer. Obviously, I said depression, um, heart disease. I, I've had... Um, Friends who have had cancer, who have had such scary thoughts that the only thing that would help them would be to go to YouTube and find meditations that are sound meditations, where it's just, you know, a high pitch sound or a heartbeat or something and listening to that to kind of calm the thoughts and move through the thoughts, but stay present. So there's lots of ways that it benefit, benefits you from a health perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the main reason it benefits overall health and especially chronic disease is that stress is highly inflammatory to the body. And as we know from the most recent research, inflammation causes everything. Inflammation yeah. causes stuff in the brain all the way to cancers, all the way to sleep issues and stomach issues. And so the data is showing that daily mindfulness practice, daily formal practice of sitting actually in mindfulness meditation is showing to reduce inflammation markers in the body. And so I really strongly feel that it's no longer something just for the fringe, yeah. something that's like nice to do if you have time. And I see it as vital to the overall picture of full and, and total health. We discussed priorities in our previous um, podcast, and I have, you know, three priorities, family wellness work, and underneath wellness every single day, it says meditation, mindfulness meditation. And 
I'm a big, you know, checker offer. And that is a non-negotiable. I have to do it. And um, sometimes it's a minute (laughs) and sometimes it's, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, but it always is in there. And I make sure I'm paused to be in the moment. Great. I'm so glad. So glad you're doing that daily. Same. So another, let's move on to a really common, a really common question about mindfulness, because, you know, there's a myth out there that, that mindfulness makes us soft and kind of weak and kind of spacey and like peace man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cheech and Chong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a really common uh, worry that mindfulness will make you lose your edge. Right. So if you're a first responder, if you're in a high pressure business environment, if you're a manager, like you have to keep your edge, obviously. So I think this is a really great one to break down. And not only does mindfulness not make you lose your edge, it actually sharpens your edge because you're getting rid of mental clutter that's actually making you less effective and less succinct. And we talked about seeing clearly at the beginning, mindfulness practice is allowing you to see what's happening in the present moment as it is, not as you want it to be, or not as somebody else is forcing it to be, but it's allowing you to make quicker and more intelligent decisions, not based off fear and emotion, but based off present moment reality. If anybody is listening and they've ever had a boss who was just a really great boss. And when they were talking to him, they felt very heard and very just connected with that person. And like they were there to support them. That's a mindful leader. That's, that's someone that has an edge, right? They know all about their team. They're being, they're leading a successful team yet. They can sit down and make the other person put their full attention into the other person and make them feel very special and unique, that is a mindful leader. And they're rare, but I think it's becoming a lot more normal to practice that as a leader because there are so many things being thrown at them and you can only juggle so much. Yeah. So I I definitely, I, I think it's funny when people ask us if they'll lose their edge. You know, I don't want to become like, oh, or, or I'm not that kind of person. I could, you know, same kind of thing. Like I couldn't sit because I'm really busy, busy, busy. Everybody out there, when I started practicing meditation and mindfulness, I had never sat in my life and I got to yoga teacher training and Lauren asked everybody to raise their hand who practiced meditation. And then I think I had like 12 people in my class, 11 other people raised their hand. And there I sat. never once had meditated, never had practiced mindfulness. I threw myself into it and it literally changed my life. And I am hyper. I am a type A personality. I'm an overachiever, but I do it. And I have a million thoughts that run through my head. I don't often sit there with nothing in my head. Sometimes I actually walk away feeling a little like (sighs) I didn't like shake it all out. But then I do it the next time and I just keep practicing. So you can do it and you won't lose your edge. I'm not a softie. My children will pretend, will agree to that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what you said is so key that 
you're not going to close every session feeling like a million bucks. There are many days that you end the session being like, Ugh, what just happened? <laughs> you know, or, oh, I didn't do a good job. That happened to me today, actually. I sat for 30 minutes. And when I got out of it, I was like, huh. But you just have to look at that as the non judgmental piece, recognize that you're judging your practice, that you're rating it somehow, notice that thought and just let it go. It's a total practice of experience. It's experiential, meaning sitting down and doing it is 100% of the work. And then recognizing that each time it's going to be different, but it's still effective no matter what is so key. You did it. That's all that matters. You did it. Yes. And that brings us to our, we're bringing to my point about how long does it take for people to see results? You know, like it's, this is a marathon. This is your life, honestly. And it's a big change. You were wired a certain way. We, we all have mindfulness in us. We were wired as humans to be able to stay in the present moment and non judge, give non judgment to the moment. But we don't know how to do that because we're Americans and we live in, you know, crazy world and we've got technology and there's a million things fired at us. So now we have to practice it because it's in there, just have to do it. And so I, I don't think that there'll ever be a time when you get to the end and you feel like you are there. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing it perfectly. You've been doing it for years and years and I know you feel that way. So you're not going to see like huge benefits right at the beginning. However, you will start to see and feel results, I think, in the first beginning of it. And you'll start to understand that it's challenging, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, our next, I think our next session, right, is about how to practice. So we're going to discuss how to practice in the next episode. But once you start, you build that endurance, just like when you start running for the first time and you can only run for like five minutes and then you run for 10 minutes and you can run for 20 minutes. It's the same thing with mindfulness. So when you do start practicing, don't get discouraged if you're like, okay, well, I'm sitting here and nothing's really happening. <laughs> don't get yeah. discouraged. You're rewiring your brain. You can't see the work, but it's happening in there. I think we're such a society of quick fixes. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness practice is frustrating in that way because it is 0% a quick fix. It is 0% a silver bullet that's going to solve everything in your life that's wrong. Um, you have to remember that with the practice, you are literally not just saying this, not just figuratively, but you are rewiring the structures of your brain. And so it's working with habit and tendency and where you're turning your attention toward. And all of that rewiring takes time. And because it takes time, it can feel a little dull and frustrating and hard. But what happens is that one day you'll have something happen and you'll have a moment where you realize you reacted differently than your habit, or you realize that that mood you couldn't shake a year ago that would have darkened your day for, you know, hours and hours, you can move through with more ease. And so it's like the fog kind of lifts over time and you realize, oh, things are feeling a little different for me these days. 
but it's very subtle and takes a while. Do you want to know when I had my aha that mindfulness was working in my life? This is such a silly story. (laughs) Velvet Taco in Fort Worth, my favorite restaurant, is crazy busy all the time. And the line's out the door and people are packed in. Now, this is (laughs) pre-COVID. People are packed in. When you order to go, you have to kind of stand over to the side and you're kind of in this weird no man's area. And it used to frustrate the heck out of me because I'm like, I already paid. I already ordered. I want my food. Get out of my way. (laughs) One day I went in and I I got in that line, the no man's land line, and I just kind of breathed. And then I stood there and I wasn't having all of those like, oh, I hate people. Get out of my way thoughts. I was just waiting. And then when I left, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't get pissed off. (laughs) That is literally when I had the aha that, oh my gosh, this is working. Like it's really rewiring and making me more patient and calmer. And the little things aren't ticking me off the way that they used to. So it's a huge deal because previous previous reaction of getting pissed off and and annoyed and really adrenaline rising is putting your body into stress arousal, which is exhausting, which is inflammatory, which is then something you're going to spew onto whoever you see next. Like there's a whole cascade of effects when we allow ourselves to get that elevated for everyday reasons. And so it's it's really self-regulating ourselves so that we don't fly off the handle affecting our health, affecting our driving, affecting our organs and, you know, possible disease and gene expression. I mean, it's wild when we start to realize how it affects the whole picture. For a closing practice for this episode, these are really two points of reflection that we want to leave you guys with. And so the first one is just to think about where in your life you are on autopilot. Where are you on autopilot zooming through with no awareness of really what you're doing, who's around, how you're feeling? Okay, so that's point one. Where in your life are you on total autopilot? And then the second point to think about and contemplate is where do you want to be more present? Where in your life do you want to be more present and with whom? It takes great homeworks. Actually, I'm going to revisit them as well. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I feel like these are questions we can never stop asking ourselves because if we are alive with a human brain and nervous system, we are on autopilot a lot of the day and we need to pause and recognize what part of our lives we'd like to pay more attention to always. Yeah. Good homework. So, well, thank you for today, Lauren. I really enjoyed this conversation because it always reminds me that it's a practice and we have to keep it up. And it keeps me grounded to know that even the best struggle and come off, come away from their meditation or a situation not being the best, but they keep trying. I think that's what it's about. Totally. Always keep trying. That's why you said earlier, it's a practice. It's not ever going to be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So we have, um, again, we have this series this month on mindfulness and our next one is how to practice, which is awesome. And Lauren and I practice similar and different. And, um, 
there's also a lot of uh, just, I think, misrepresentation of like actually sitting down to meditate and what you look like and that kind of stuff. So I like to debunk that stuff. So if you're interested and you want to learn, listen to us next time. But otherwise, we appreciate you guys being here with us today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.